Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Craig Hoffman with you on 1067 The Fan. Be joined in just a second on the BetQL line by New York Times bestselling author Christopher Clary. A quick update, though, that we have now courtesy of John Keim of ESPN and Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, combo amount of uh, reporting to get you all of this info. That Antonio Gibson with his shin injury, Matt Ioannidis, his knee injury, both listed as questionable did travel to Atlanta uh, per sources. Gibson at least is expected to play against Atlanta. Uh, Cornerback Danny Johnson also traveled uh, as Benjamin St. Juiced is out with the concussion, uh, but is unlikely to be elevated from practice squad, that according to Standig. So uh, as a recap, Antonio Gibson uh, and Matt Ioannidis did travel, still listed as questionable. Uh, Gibson is expected to play. Danny Johnson traveled uh, as a backup cornerback, and we'll see if he winds up getting elevated from practice squad as Benjamin St. Just is out. So there's a little Washington football update, more Washington football at the bottom of the hour with uh, Michael Phillips, the Richmond Times-Dispatch. But it is my pleasure to be joined now and make a hard left turn uh, by Christopher Clary, who's a New York Times tennis correspondent and the best-selling author of The Master, The Brilliant Career of Roger Federer. I've been reading this book uh, for a little bit now. I haven't had a chance to quite finish it yet, but I'm just fascinated by so many of the amazing details in it and wanted to have Christopher on to talk about it uh, because I think Federer is one of the most fascinating masters of his sport. I think the book is aptly named uh, that we've seen in in the two and a half, three decades, last two and a half, three decades of sports. So with that, Christopher, uh, thanks so much for your time and, and great job on the book and congrats on success and thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for having me, and I'm sorry it's so long. <laughs> I mean, it, makes, it makes it harder to finish, but the guy's had a long career, like you said, 20-plus years, so you, you want to do it justice. And he's been a great era in men's tennis, too, you know? It is kind of funny, because in saying that, I was really meaning, like, okay, since, like, Michael Jordan retired, even including the Jordan era, but, like, Roger Federer's career started while Michael Jordan was still playing basketball. Like, that's the amazing thing. That's how long this guy has been doing it. And that's really the question I wanted to start with, like, There are so many factors, and some of them I've already gotten to in the book, of things that you attribute to his longevity. But like, if you had to to pick the the one, two, maybe three factors that most contribute to this guy being able to do what he's done at this level and such a grueling individual sport for so long, what separates him? Well, you know what it is. I I think a lot of it is um, has to do with I think really, really understanding himself. And it didn't come easily. It didn't happen right away. He took him time to figure out who he really was, what made him tick. And I think he realized really ultimately that less was more. Um, I think that's a big part of it. 
and he really understood that he needed to switch off. He's a very uh, gregarious guy. He gives a lot, but he also needs his downtime, and I think it took him a while to figure out the balance of everything. Less was more in terms of the physical training, smart, shorter, uh, but yet not all the time. Same with tournaments. Pick your spots carefully. And I think also with the people that surrounded him, I think he was very selective about who he, was, who he chose to be in his inner circle. He made changes at the right times. He had ultimately good judgment. And he also got, I think, to be honest with you, he got lucky. And I think all great athletes will tell you there's an element of luck in, in success. There's a whole chapter in the book about luck and how things can just turn on a dime. You know, it doesn't take much. And um, I think doing the, doing the story, I think that, doing the book, it was, that's what surprised me, was how often he was kind of on the brink of the wrong decision. Well, yeah, and I, you know, just reading uh, last night even about how the tennis center in Switzerland opens right at the right time for him. There, there's always those luck elements. Um, but one of the, the other details that that really struck me that I thought was fascinating about Federer that when you look at other elite level athletes that are just maniacally competitive and, and Jordan is of course the ultimate example of this like Michael Jordan once punched a teammate in practice we all know Steve Kerr um, and, and you know he was so competitive all the time where Federer is a guy that some of the the guys that he played against as, as youths that stopped beating him when they were 17 years old would practice with him later in his career even when he was world number one and beat him in practice but they wouldn't have a chance with him in a competitive match what is it about Federer's ability to turn that on and off that ultimately helps him? Because I'm sure like he's turning that competitiveness off in a way that is able to focus on specific things or for whatever reason he decides that I'm not going to go all out in this practice uh, and that, that the result doesn't matter here, where other elite athletes I don't think have that capability. I think that's a great point, and I, I do think that what he is, he's a, he's a world-class compartmentalizer as well as a world-class tennis player. I think he has this ability to kind of change the chip, you know, and, I, and guys who played him in tournaments, we'll talk about that. James Blake, you know, top 10 player from the U.S. for a long time. He's now the director of tournament in Miami and, and a smart guy, Harvard, Harvard alum. Mm-hmm. He talked about being with Roger and Indian Wells in the locker room before the tournament. They're supposed to play in the semifinals of the tournament. And Roger's talking real estate in Switzerland, talking to his wife, America, talking, you know, how's it going? How you doing? And then when they walk through the door to go to the court, suddenly something just changes in his demeanor and it's all business. And I talked to Roger about this, this very thing at a couple of our interviews, and he uses the metaphor of the clenched fist. You're sitting there at lunch with a guy, and he's clenching his fist. He goes, if, you, if your fist is like this, if your body and your mind is like this all the time, kind of on full flex, you're just not going to last very long. You've got to find ways to relax. And he sort of unclenches fist and sort of smile, you know? And I think, I think it makes a lot of sense, not just to tennis players, but to all of us, really. You've got to have that downtime, and you've got to do it at the right times, and you've also got to make the most of when your fist is clenched. Yeah, I, I think that Christopher, Christopher Clary is our guest here on the BetQL guest line. Uh, again, the book is The Master of the Brilliant Career of Roger Federer. Uh, you can get it now anywhere you find books. Uh, it is a New York Times bestseller. It is fantastic. That is the thing that I think is most fascinating and why like a conversation about a specific tennis player is so translatable even to a mass media like we're on right now in Sports Talk Radio is because they're, they're, he just operates differently in a way that leads to the success that he's had longer than anyone else. And I think that ability to wind and unwind um, at the right times as a contributor. I think also another really interesting factor in that is his upbringing and his background and not being in an American sports culture, which is so clenched fist all the time. 
what advantages did that give him as he came up? You know, the the Swiss uh, background that he has, you know, his Swiss nationality and the culture and the lifestyle that he led. And also what challenges did that present? Because I thought that was an interesting uh, point that you come back to a couple of times in the early chapters of the book in his childhood of, of the I guess the place that sports holds in Swiss culture and how that can actually be preventative to someone rising to the level that Federer did. Yeah, I think it works both ways. Um, Roger, for your people who don't know, uh, he grew up in Basel, Switzerland, which is right on the border with France and Germany. His mother is from South Africa. His dad is from Switzerland, you know, really the heart of Switzerland. And they were in Basel, which is a super multicultural, multilingual place. You hear a lot of French, you hear a lot of German. You do hear different languages in Switzerland anyway. And frankly, sports in the Swiss culture yeah, there's some priorities. They love their alpine skiers. They love their soccer, but it's not front and center like it is in U.S. culture or, or British culture at all. There are more people more interested in you getting your education. And when Roger decided to go pro at 16, he was talking to a dentist. His family dentist back home in Basel, and the guy's like, so what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm a tennis player. He goes, well, what else are you doing? He goes, that's all I'm doing now. And then the guy really kind of reacted in a way that Roger said, you know what? I never went back to the dentist because I wanted to have this positive energy I wasn't getting from parts of Switzerland. So I think there was that aspect to overcome that idea that you really that was not the most serious way to spend your time, and the odds were against you from tiny Switzerland, and he had to kind of follow the voice in his head. Maybe having South African influence from his mother helped him. And then on the plus side, back to that clenched fist metaphor, I think in a lot of ways, because Switzerland doesn't care as much about pro-level sports and big stars as it might in other societies might care about them, Roger was able to find a kind of a safe haven from all that adulation and and attention as he returned home over the years. And that's part of the reason why he kept his base there over the years. He could have probably saved money going to Dubai or Monte Carlo full-time. But he uh, he stayed, and I think he liked that contrast where he could kind of walk down the street. People would recognize him, but they wouldn't hassle him. I think that's part of the reason why he's lasted to 40 on the circuit, too. Last couple of questions. I'm going to be a bit selfish because I have a massive fitness interest. I'm a fitness professional as well as doing this. So um, the one constant on his, in his team over the years has been his fitness coach. And uh, I'm probably going to mess up his last name and I apologize about Pierre, Pierre Paganini. Paganini. Pa- or yeah, it's Paganini. Paganini. Okay. Um, so it, it, they connect when Federer's fairly young, fairly early in his career. And I also interested in, in how Federer's ADD as a child, basically his inability to focus on one thing. And thus, you know, a lot of the trainings, uh, as you write about are not just tennis trainings where they take the tennis kids out and play soccer. Cause otherwise Federer would be a bit of a terror because he was a, a petulant teenager. And so they would go do all of these other things. And, and in a lot of ways that seemed to, uh, maybe not directly from any causation, but that also is how Paganini approached some things of giving Federer a lot more than just the typical strength and conditioning that tennis players had been doing. So how does that all culminate into the athlete that Federer has been able to not only be, but sustain again over this incredibly long period of time? Yeah, I think the, I think sustained, sustained excellence is really the key here for him. And honestly, real quickly, I, I would make the point that I didn't make before, which I think we were in an era but well, we've made some breakthroughs here, obviously. It's not a coincidence that Roger Federer for the last 25 years has been able to continue to excel, and Tom Brady has as well, and Cristiano Ronaldo, Yaramir Yager in hockey, all these different guys. You know, it's not, it's not a coincidence that's happening. There's a lot of new knowledge, information. Athletes are smarter. They're better supported. All these things are happening. So that's, that's part of it. But in terms of Pierre Paganini, I think he's a fitness genius, personally, from having been around the guy and everything I've heard. He's, um, he started out as a uh, decathlete. Wasn't a tennis player really at all, kind of self-taught later in his life. And he really came at tennis with fresh eyes. He didn't come at it with somebody who had all these preconceptions for many years. And so he basically, as he worked with Roger and other players before Roger, 
he realized that a lot of tennis training was kind of based on tradition, not based on logic. And tennis, if you know much about it, is a sport where you're doing you know, bursts of, of energy, but then you have these breaks of 20, 25 seconds between points. You know, often you're maybe running you know, hard for five or 10 seconds, and you're stopping for 25, but you're doing it for three or four hours. So Pierre really tried to devise training as Roger got better and better that really corresponded directly to that. And a lot of work on court, within the lines, a lot of work with quick, quick reaction and then having to make a decision, a lot of uh, fast shifts within training where you'd have sort of um, almost like eye training as they were doing things like catching balls. And, but it was a lot of multi, multi-skill, multi-movement things at the same time. When you think about tennis, that's really what it is. You're moving, but you're also hitting a ball with great precision. And I think Pierre, as far as I know, was the first guy to do this systematically, and it really helped Roger. And I think the other thing that, as you pointed out, Roger, I don't know if he was AD, ADD or not. My sense of talking to his trainers was maybe he was undiagnosed, but he was a guy who just could not sit still. He just could not sit still there, like, like a lot of young athletes. And he uh, tried to sit, sit him down for a chat about strategy. He just wasn't in that mode as a teenager. So they had to devise ways to keep him interested, keep it fresh, keep it going. And a lot of that was, at that age, different sports, different activities, and also just changing up the drills all the time. Same goal, but different ways of doing it. And I think it takes a lot of creativity and a lot of energy for fitness trainers to do that. But I know Pierre Pagliini really focused on that, and I, obviously it worked. Yeah, it's something I think is a lot more in the mainstream now, that the fact that kids all the way up through their teenage years, uh, and even if you can, through adulthood, uh, are, are best served doing multiple things. Um, Christopher, the book is so good. I can't wait to continue reading it and, and ultimately finish it. Um, I, I feel like I've barely gotten started in it yet, knowing how long Federer's career is and knowing that you reported this book all the way through the beginning of this year. Uh, again, the book is The Master, The Brilliant Career of Roger Federer. Uh, again, one of the most fascinating athletes that has ever, I mean, really in the last century of, of world sports uh and christopher's been covering his entire career for the new york times new york times tennis correspondent best-selling author christopher clary with us here on the fan christopher thanks so much for the time and uh definitely we'll touch base when i when i finish the book via email thanks again for for coming on hey i'd love that great talking to you christopher clary new york times you can follow him on twitter as well uh christoph clary so make sure that you check out his work there if you were interested and again even if you're not a tennis fan like read the book because the level of thought and excellence that, and, and I guess the reflective nature of Federer, because Clary does talk to Federer multiple times for this book and, and is peeling not just from conversations for the books, but again, conversations they've had over the course of years is Clary is an actual tennis reporter for the New York Times. The level of reflection that Federer has, I think, is really cool. And you get it sometimes. Like, we got it from Michael Jordan in The Last Dance. Um, we've getting, gotten it some from Brady. I think we've gotten it some and through some of the, the TV work that Peyton Manning has done now. And to get someone who's at that level to be reflective about their own excellence and see what we can learn from it or what we can apply to analysis of other players, I think is fascinating. And so, really recommend the book. Uh, and I'm glad that we got to talk to Christopher about it. All right. When we get back, hard left turn uh, before we get to Michael Phillips coming up at 2.30. Uh, you might have heard this was a uh, brutal week in the National Women's Soccer League where their commissioners had to resign following a coach getting fired uh, for abuse of players, including sexual abuse. And as someone who has uh, followed that league and and is, knows a lot of people in it, uh, I, I want to talk about it because it's important. And uh, so we're going to do that. 
next. And then Michael Phillips will join us back on Washington Football at 2.30 here on The Fan. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Craig Hoffman with you on 106.7 The Fan. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, less than 10 minutes from now, uh, Michael Phillips is going to join us from the Richmond Times-Dispatch to talk Washington football, the struggles of the defense, the success of the offense, and whether the latter can overcome the former against a very poor Atlanta Falcons team, at least what they've looked like so far through three weeks uh, coming up tomorrow. But uh, as Steph Yang writes in The Athletic, the National Women's Soccer League is in a wave of crisis. On July 9th, Gotham FC fired General Manager Elise LeHue for after Lee conducted an investigation per their anti-harassment policy. LeHue denied the allegations. On August 11th, the Washington Post published allegations of racist language and verbal abuse against Washington Spirit head coach Richie Burke. Burke was eventually terminated for cause on September 28th after the NWSL initiated a third-party investigation into the allegations. Then came Racing Louisville's sudden announcement on August 31st that head coach Christy Holly's contract had been terminated for cause. Uh, local news reported that the players complained about a toxic environment. Then came the latest disgrace, a September 30th report from The Athletic detailing multiple allegations of sexual coercion against North Carolina head coach Paul Riley, which Riley denied. The Courage announced Riley's termination the same day. And that same evening, another name was added to the list as The Washington Post revealed that former head coach Fareed Bensiti was asked to resign by O.L. Reign CEO Bill Predmore after the team investigated a player complaint against Bensiti for inappropriate comments. That all about a year after Utah Royals head coach Craig Harrington was placed on a leave of absence and ultimately had his contract terminated after reports he made inappropriate comments to staff. There are only nine teams in the league. Now, uh, a lot of you are probably only tangentially aware of this league. You've certainly heard of many of the players in it. 
your Alex Morgans, Megan Rapinos, Rose Lavelle, Sam Mewis's, all of the U.S. Women's National Team, Sans Tobin Heath, who currently plays for Arsenal over in England, uh, is either playing or scheduled to play again starting next year in the National Women's Soccer League. It's going to expand, add to more teams. One of them is L.A. Kristen Press is going to play for the L.A. team. Uh, but every other U.S. Women's National Team player uh, is playing in this league, including Kelly O'Hara and Emily Sonnet and Andy Sullivan for the local team here in Washington. And the local team in Washington is a team that I used to work for. Uh, and occasionally still do freelance work for, or had been doing freelance work for, unfortunately, because of all of the news over the last couple of weeks, uh, haven't really, uh, had the opportunity to do a podcast that's fun and lighthearted. Um, I will also say that specific to a lot of things that happened here, I don't fully understand what I can and can't say from a contractual standpoint, and I don't want to get sued. So I'm I'm going to be a lot more general here, but it's it's pretty easy to be general and damning at the same time of what has gone on in this league. And it really centers around this thought. If you have an elite anything, you should protect it, especially if that elite thing is a person or people. And if you look around the National Women's Soccer League, I just told you that the best players in the world, those that are on the U.S. Women's National Team, some that play for other national teams, uh, Marta and Dabinha uh, of the Brazilian National Team are two of the five best, you know, ten best players in the world probably. Um, they are both in the National Women's Soccer League. In fact, uh, Dabinha played for Paul Riley in North Carolina. Um, and... You have French national team players, Canadian national team players. Uh, they were just the Olympic gold medalists. You have uh, many players that are on the verge of national teams that are just as good as the players that are on them, um, if we're being honest. like This is, top to bottom, the best women's league in the world. The talent is elite. But nothing else around it, apparently, is. And I say apparently, I don't know, in a way to feel like I'm covering myself on some level, um, because I don't want to be rude to the fact that there are really high level coaches, um, in, in some places and there are very good executives on some teams and there probably are some smart people in the league office, but on the day that, or the day after that, the commissioner is essentially voted out. They accepted her resignation. Technically the general counsel is out. You watch the games and they're not even in high definition half the time. Like there's just no other part of the league outside of the players that is as consistently elite and at the top of what they do top to bottom. And the fact that they are so taken for granted is maddening. Then you also remember again, mind-blowing analysis here that they are people and they are human beings who just ultimately should be treated like human beings and we should value human beings and that is just what's so heartbreaking and maddening about all of this like the reason I'm not going to make this about me other than this because I'm the one talking to you right now. Like the reason I went to work for that league was to tell the stories of the, the women who I was so impressed with as players and that I started to get to know some of them and was like, wow, you guys have amazing stories to tell as people. In the same way that, you know, I think Terry McLaren's story is amazing. That when uh, Capri Bibbs was here, uh, his story was amazing. And, and throughout the NFL and the NBA and all of these, there's so many amazing stories of people that are human stories that, you know, 
outside of the ultimate career that could be an elite stock trader or any other profession. And there'd be a story worth telling. Someone that if you're like, hey, my friend, insert name here, uh, this is their story. You'd be like, wow, that's an incredible story. And they're inspiring. And to know some of the players who were abused in various ways um, and some of whom who have put their names behind it in stories and to know to, to know them when they got to the league and, you know, were just some of the brightest lights of people that I'd, I'd ever encountered and to watch those lights be dimmed by their experience. It's just, it's crushing. And, um, what I'm hoping is that the, this is a nadir that this is the bottom. And that when Megan Rapino is saying like, let's burn it all down. Like the league doesn't need to start over. Um, because reorganizing a new league is just like that you can strip down the parts and still leave um, enough of it that you can rebuild on top. And it looks like that's what's happening. And I hope that that's what's happening because it's what frankly needs to happen when things like this have gone on. And if anybody were to find anything that I just said controversial, I'd really like to think that like, I'd I'd ask you to reexamine what I said was wrong. Um, So that's, I, Linnell, I think I did that without putting myself in any kind of pressure to get sued. Um, It's been all right. I think I think that that that's general enough to to go like hey yeah if you have a problem with anything that was just said there then uh that we I have a problem with you yeah I think I think that that speaks louder um than than anything I said so yeah it's um it's infuriating and um I'm glad that the comeuppance is coming and I'm glad that um I, I thought the statement that the NWSL Players Association put out the other night um was phrased so perfectly it's like we're taking our power back and, and the players are doing that and as they should because they're the thing that makes this whole the whole thing go and i'd hope that if this happened in any other league in any other sport men or women that that the players would feel empowered to do the same because they're people and uh people should have their power uh with that hard left uh back to washington football next michael phillips the richmond times dispatch is going to join us on the fan Craig Hoffman with you on a Saturday afternoon on 106.7 The Fan, where all guests appear on the BetQL guest line. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today, and you can be smarter. Maybe it'll help you bet smarter uh, by listening to Michael Phillips of the Richmond Times-Dispatch, of course, covering the Washington football team and and so many other things. But, Michael, uh, it's time to talk about our feelings about the Washington football team. Are you ready to talk about your feelings? Yeah, and you know, you're, nobody's going to bet smarter after listening to me because what's funny is I got opinions about everything, Craig. You know that. Uh, but the last, uh, it really, every game they played this season, I've gone in. Every, oh, you know, really like you like the points, you like that, this, you like that. I have no clue how to bet this team. Like, if they show up, they're going to win by 14. They're way better than the Atlanta Falcons. Their defense is way better. They should push Matt Ryan around. If they don't show up, they could lose by 14. That's in play on Sunday. I, you tell me which team shows up. I'll, I'll take it from there. Uh, I can't do that. Otherwise, I would be betting. <laughs> this is why I don't gamble. Uh, bet smarter. Don't bet at all. Sometimes that's, you know, we have Sheehan on on the pregame show with Logan. And often, you know, Logan will be like, so, Kevin, who do you like? And Kevin will be like, I like not betting on this game. And that is a smart better. That is why Kevin occasionally actually wins at gambling because he has restraint to stay away from stuff that is dumb. That's the play. 
That is the play. So I actually do legitimately want to, not in a deep emotional way, but like talk about our feelings of this football team. Because we've seen three games here, and, and I think the hype coming into the season obviously uh, was large uh, in some sectors of analysis land, obviously in some sections of fan land. That's no different than any other year, but perhaps that sector had a few more uh, occupants than typical. But through three games, having been at the practices, in the press conferences, doing the, the thing that you still do that I used to do, where you're in, in it every single day has your general feeling of how good this team is or how good this team could be changed at all yeah oh yeah absolutely and you know what's funny is we, we talk about the fan reaction look the top line item this week is fans are overreacting to chase young through three games they, they, they just are if you remember last year i mean thomas boswell had the column i'm not here to call out thomas boswell or anything but you remember is a bad column that, that, that Chase Young was, was a bust. Yeah, you when know, you, when that, you that, work for 50 years, you occasionally miss. He's a legend, man. He's, <laughs> I, I'm not ever going to step up to his, his typewriter, but, but that was a miss. You know, Chase Young is, of course, a great football player, but now it seems like there's almost this like consensus opinion that he's a bust after three games, which is also not true. He's still a freak in nature. He, he's still fully capable of flipping the switch and turning it on. What's interesting is, you know, you, you diagnose the problems and, and, you know, you try to figure out what the problems are. And I don't think the problems are talent related here. I, I really don't. I think they have enough talent, 1 to 11, on those defensive starters to, to hang with most of the teams in the league. That's not to say they can beat everybody. It's not to say they're going to beat the Chiefs because they're not that good. But, you know, they, they are at least an average to, to maybe above average NFL team on a good day talent-wise. Uh, you'd love to have a little more talent at linebacker, but, but on the whole, you've got what you need. So you, you look at the problems here, and the problems are bad communication, guys going off and doing their own thing. And, you know, those are tricky problems because that, that is not as simple as making a trade or cutting a guy or plugging somebody else in. Um, you know, those, those are deep-rooted problems. You joke about talking about feelings, but these guys need to talk about their feelings because they're, they're not playing as a unit right now, and it's a big issue. Yeah, and that's a, you know, it's such an interesting way that we often frame the the term and the concept of talent. We think of Chase Young is ultra talented because he is tall, strong, fast, physical, like all of these very physical traits. And I think we're getting better at it at quarterback of talking about how mental processing is really the key to the game. But if you think about some of the problems that they're having defensive line wise, you can see how decision-making becomes an essential part to every position in this sport. And so I guess that comes down to this question. When we talk about actually fixing these problems, are these problems that the players have to ultimately do something or is it coaches putting them in better positions? Some combo of the two. Well, Jack Del Rio said the right thing this week. He said, ultimately, it's always on the coach. And, and he's correct, because ultimately, it's the coach who will be fired if it doesn't happen. <laughs> but I, I, I think, though, if you look at it, it's probably the players who, who have to shoulder the, the heavier load here. Now, you've got different situations. Like, you know, when Minuski was here, you'd be like, yes, of course it's the coach. He's putting them in terrible positions. What is he doing? Hey, you know, watching Peyton Manning tear apart Joe Barry's defense the other night was, was semi-satisfying as somebody who had to watch that nonsense for a year. Like, <laughs> what is he doing out there? He's not very good at this. Um, you know, but I, I don't see anything fundamentally wrong with the scheme here. And I'm not the smartest guy in the world, so I'm, I'm, I'm open to critique here. Use it, but I, I'm seeing a guy in Jack Del Rio whose stuff should work. And, and you know, 
we can debate whether it is optimizing for the talent they have and it's the optimal defense for them to play or whatever. But set that aside for a minute. It should be good enough. This stuff should be good enough to win with and was good enough to win with last year uh, on a number of occasions with less talent than they're fielding right now. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think it's the players who, who have to, to shoulder the burden here, do the work. You know, we, we've heard all the things you hear from a struggling team so far this week. We, you know, they, hey, we're staying after practice. We're running more. The captains have spoke up. You know, they, they, we didn't hear players only meeting. That's kind of the only one still, still to go on the bingo card here. I guess saving that in case they lose Sunday. But, you know, they're, they're saying the things they, they need to say. And I, I think that, you know, they feel the urgency of getting right here with a golden opportunity to get right against Matt Ryan. And that is not to disparage Matt Ryan, good NFL quarterback, but this defense, should beat Matt Ryan at this stage of his career. I, I feel confident saying. Yeah, and the talent around them. Um, I put myself yeah. through the experience of watching Atlanta, New York back, and thank God it was the condensed game. Those are <laughs> not very good football teams. Uh, Michael Phillips is with us on the BetQL guest line here on 106.7 The Fan. Craig Hoffman with you, special Saturday edition. People don't normally get this, Michael. They don't get me on Saturdays, but here we are. Uh, football <laughs> season does funny things. Um, so... You know, we we talk about Del Rio in the scheme, and and like you said, it worked last year. Because I, I went back and looked earlier this week, and I was like, all right, well, you know, let's see. When was the last time Jack Del Rio had a really good defense? Oh, right, they were top five last year by the end of the year. But also a good scheme is one that players can execute. You are always better off in football having an inferior plan with 11 guys executing it than a superior plan where guys aren't on the same page. And so I guess that leads to the question of like, what is it about this scheme that this particularly young but very talented group of players hasn't been able to put together? Have you been able to get an answer to that yet? No, that's, that's the million-dollar question here, and unfortunately, I'm going to have to leave the million sitting on the table here, and, and I'm not going to be able to walk away from briefcase. <laughs> I know. Dagger. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, lots of people have taken a swing at it this week. Obviously, you know, you've probably seen some of those on Twitter, you know, whether it's guys freelancing or guys, you know, not playing at the proper depths or not guys, you know, not playing their guys the right way or whatever it is. That That is the big question looming over everything, and, you know, that that is the fear leading into this week. Look, Kyle Pitts has not had his breakout game yet in the NFL. You know, Matt, Matt Ryan, he is, he is a cagey veteran. He can get the job done, you know, in the same way that Tom Brady did last year. Tom Brady did not have more than one and a half seconds in that pocket in the playoff game. Still found a way to get it to the right guy every time. You worry Matt Ryan's going to channel that inside of, of himself. Now, that said, I still think there's a chance that even if the defense only makes marginal improvements, even if we walk away saying, hey, his defense still isn't where, where they need to be. I still think they could win on mm-hmm. Sunday. I still I still think it's possible. You know, these guys can win in a shootout. I think there's enough offensive talent. And I'm, I'm not down on Taylor Heineke after last week. I, and I'm, I'm way up on Antonio Gibson after three games this year. And, and Terry McLaurin, of course, I, it's hard. I can't be more up on Terry McLaurin because I was, I was already at the ceiling. But uh, he, he's validated <laughs> that so far this year. Um, and, and then you add in Curtis Samuel, who knows what he'll be able to give you, but something's better than nothing. Uh, you know, if these guys need to score 35 to win, uh, you, you, you you watch the game. Uh, I think the Atlanta defense maybe allows 35. Uh, I think it's doable. Yeah, they're not very good. They're not very good. Uh, and that, that offense is not... 
Like Atlanta's offense is just not explosive. They don't outside of Calvin Ridley have anybody on the outside, which is moderately terrifying because Kyle Pitts, as you said, on the inside being a target is a scary thing for a defense that has been dreadful against tight ends. Um, and doesn't seem to have the personnel to really lock up a tight end. But then again, if you don't have receivers on the outside, maybe you move a corner over Kyle Pitts. There's, there's things that can be done. Um, Enough sadness. Let's talk about the offense because I am with you. Like this offense actually has been pretty impressive. And last week it didn't really matter because the defense was so porous. But the the one thing that I, I think they need to definitely do is focus on like it, this is such a duh analysis when you take it on its face. Like they need to run more plays. Well, obviously, if you convert third downs, that's a good thing. Great analysis, Craig. Really nailed it. But what what can they do to try to sustain drives, help out this defense? And ultimately, when you run more plays, you do create more opportunities for guys like McLaurin. Like that that's how he gets the ball more is the percentages aren't that far off. It's just running more plays. So, so what have, have the offensive coaches been talking about? What are the offensive players been talking about to be able to sustain drives in a way that they haven't in the two losses? No question. Plays is the metric, but time of possession shows it too. These guys just haven't had the ball for very long and it's hard to do good things when you're in that position. And look, you know, penalties have been very costly to them. You talk about a team, you know, it, it, their first drive of the game has been derailed by penalties, I think, twice in two of the three games. And last week, you had J.D. McKissick throwing the pick. And look, these guys know they got to be better than this. And, you know, you can't make those mental errors. Taylor Heineke, I, I, I think, understands after last week, you know, what a good NFL defense can do to him. Now he'll need to stay inside of himself. I, to me, the most intriguing subplot last week was first half, Taylor Heineke had running lanes a few times, never took them. Just deny him, didn't look for him, same as the week before. He was looking past the whole way every time. And then in the second half, he did. He did take those runs. He got beat up a couple times, but, but you know, he's still playing. He'll be out there Sunday. I am curious which Taylor Heineke they want to show if there's a point where they say, hey, look, we have to take the good with the bad. This is just this is an essential part of the Taylor Heineke experience, and he may get hurt at some point, and he's probably going to get hurt at some point. But we would rather have Taylor Heineke guy who pulls the ball down and runs for nine yards than Taylor Heineke, guy who hangs around in the pocket and only throws the ball. Uh, so I'm very curious which way they go there. But look, more Antonio Gibson is not, is not a bad thing. And, you know, I don't know his injury status. Um, you know, they're very tight-lipped about that these days, of course. So it, it's possible they need to be keeping him on a pitch count. But I think he's just developed really well over the offseason. He's gone from being a wide receiver who can also do some running plays to being a fully-fledged, like, He's a good running back. Like even if he never caught a pass, you'd just be like, that dude's a good NFL running back. Yeah. Uh, the way the way he's grown in that regard is very, very impressive. Yeah, he's really good. Um, the problem is is his body handling that amount of NFL load. Uh, that's not something a human body is designed to do. And uh, holding up against that's going to be an interesting uh, an interesting balancing act that Scott Turner is going to have to play. Uh, enjoy Atlanta. Enjoy the game. Enjoy that beautiful stadium. And enjoy the Carvel in the the press box. Because that is one of the greatest things in the entire NFL media landscape. It is a world-class stadium with world-class food. Even if the Chick-fil-A is closed, we're, we're going to find a way to make this work tomorrow. I have faith in you, sir. I have faith in you. Thank you. <laughs> Good job, Craig. Michael Phillips on the BetQL guest line with me, Craig Hoffman, here on a Saturday on The Fan. When we get back, some more Washington football thoughts, and then Alicia Jessup, legal analyst, is going to join us at the top of the hour on a couple of different things floating out there in the sports legal universe. That's all coming up. Craig Hoffman with you on The Fan. After the end of a good fight, 
You deserve an ice cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Uh, sounds like a car crash for most people listening to their cars. Leno, I think we should do that every time. Just everyone go, ah! Nothing wrong with a little Mick Foley. No, I, I'm not a big wrestling guy, but I know, I, I understand that that was meaningful to a lot of people. There's just another group of people that were like, oh my God, was there a wreck behind me? <laughs> I'm just saying we should be considerate. Craig Hoffman with you on the fan. Coming up in just a few minutes, Alicia Jessup. She's an associate law professor out at Pepperdine University, meaning the weather where she is is always better than the weather here, no matter how beautiful of a D.C. day we are having, which we are having a exquisite D.C. fall day. However, Pepperdine's in Malibu, so Alicia wins on that. Uh, Her work is also in the Washington Post and the Athletic. Um, she has been an active attorney on some of the NCAA labor issues. So, uh, I was reaching out to her earlier this week to talk about the NBA's vaccine mandate, uh, potential for that and how labor issues and some of the local jurisdictions and all of that interplays, which you'll hear in just a few minutes, um, us talk about. But, uh, right as I was reaching out to her, there was a ruling from the national labor relations board that, uh, there is, uh, I guess a case to be made that college athletes at private universities are indeed employees and it's all complicated, but Alicia and I are going to go through it and uh, we'll see how long this kind of stuff takes to eventually play its way through the legal system and ultimately have an impact in college sports. And I think that's one of the really interesting things about some of the stuff that's already happened is when you come to the name image likeness stuff, the NIL, like it was instant. The Supreme court decided uh, and within a couple of weeks while they were waiting one more appeal, they knew we were going to lose the NCAA ultimately says, all right, you can profit off your name, image, likeness. And it was a free for all. Then it's just like, all right, this company can, you know, reaching out to this athlete and you see college athletes endorsing everything from coffee to shoes to whatever. Um, and so this would be a lot more complicated. So I'm glad we had Alicia to go through it. Um, and then to wrap the show after Alicia, we'll, we'll wrap up with uh, some more thoughts on some of the stuff we talk about, NBA-related as well as uh, 
a little preview of the pregame show tomorrow. Again, make sure you check us out. Uh, Countdown to kickoff with Earl Forsey. Uh, he's joined by Brian Mitchell uh, for a little bit on that show as well. Uh, get you started tomorrow morning. Then we take over, we being myself and Logan Paulson, at 10 a.m. And tomorrow, uh, with the Nats being done for the year, uh, we get to go all the way to 1 o'clock, I believe, uh, tomorrow. Uh, so make sure that you are locked in here on 106.7 The Fan. All right, when we get back, Alicia Jessup, associate law professor at Pepperdine and contributor, legal analyst for The Athletic and The Washington Post. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.